So I got told in the midst of going to Acts 6-4 that I was going to preach to you tonight. And if anybody knows me at all, if you know me at all, you know that I need at least about a month <laughs> to prepare. <laughs> and that means that I have weeks in the evenings and the weekends during the day and get all of my, you know, my thoughts, my processes together and continue to read and continue to ask and things change. And I run and I haven't done any of those things because I've gotten told in the midst of going to Acts 6, 4, when I asked JR, so who's preaching for you Sunday night? And he goes, oh, by the way, that would be you. And do you know that I've been speaking the name of Jesus all afternoon? <laughs> all afternoon. So, again, in the midst of being in Acts 6, 4, we, had, we went through, let's see, it started Tuesday night. We started services. Wednesday morning, you get up, you go to service. You go to lunch, you come back, you go to church. You leave, you get maybe a little bit to breathe, which we did not, and you go back in the evening. So that was Wednesday and Thursday all day. And the whole time, because I was told in the midst of at 6-4 that I was going to be preaching, I'm just like, okay, what am I going to be preaching about? Lord, what would you have me to talk about? What would you have me to say? And I think during the first service, I was like, okay, I know about deliverance. The Lord has delivered me through a lot of different things. Um, he continues to deliver me through a lot of different things, and one of them is speaking in public. Um, he has a sense of humor. He calls me to teach, and I have to be in front of um, a whole bunch of little students that get to critique every little thing that I do and still love them in the same way. And then I get in front of you, and... I speak the name of Jesus. <laughs> so he's like, no, you know about that. You could tell somebody that, you know, um, you've been delivered. I used to smoke. He delivered you from it, which I always thought he delivered me from smoking with me kicking and screaming. Until JR and I got married, which is really funny because that was 25 years later. Um, and this whole entire time I felt like, he delivered me from smoking with me kicking and screaming. And it was no, he spoke to me one night and he said, no, is you told me at an altar one day that you wanted everything that I had for you and that to remove anything from your life that would keep me from you. And so therefore I did just that. And I said, well, how about that? So he's like, you know about deliverance. You could, you could, talk to them about being delivered. You can go through the word of God and you can find all these different nice little um, scriptures talking about how God uh, delivered the demoniacs and how he's, he, all he had to do was come up in, in the name of Jesus. Well, it was by him. Loose and you are set free. It's like, okay, well, maybe not then. And then he, I said, well, I can talk about healing because there's been several different places in my life that the Lord healed me. I think Several of you know, some of you may not, that um, in 2012, um, I started running in 2000, when did I start running? In 2010. So in 2010, I began to run, um, actually found that I absolutely and utterly enjoyed it. And in 2012, that came to a screeching halt 
when I had four bulging discs in my back and I could barely walk. So um, again, I can walk now, as you can tell, and by Lauren's profession, she can tell you that I can run a little bit, not my much anymore, but I'm trying. Um, by the way, I got my new shoes in today, and he thought that was pretty funny because I was going to wait until a week later until I got them. He said, no, here you go. So anyway, he's like, no, I don't want you to talk about healing. Um, you know about that as well. You can go to scripture. You can, you can point to things in your life where God has healed you and brought you out of different situations. He's healed me of a things not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. And he continues to do so. He's like, no, I don't want you to talk about that either. I'm like, well, okay, what's left? <laughs> and here lately, um, I don't know if any of you have all gone through a season in your life where you feel um, dried out and almost left and forsaken. And there was a, I love this preacher, by the way. Every, every service that we went to was top-notch. I think God spoke in every service that we were in. It was absolutely and utterly God-ordained that we were there. Um, but there was one there, uh, Jerry Hunt, Brother Jerry Hunt. He is fantastic, funny. And lo and behold, we're both Yankees. So I guess that's why we kind of, you know, kindred spirits there. Anyway, he was talking about um, a dry brook. The books, brook's being dried out. And I was like, oh, I can so relate to that. Because there's been times in my life here recently, actually more times than not, that I completely and utterly feel dried out, almost forsaken and looking around going, okay, where are you at? I know you're real, I know you're there because you said in your word that you are, but I certainly don't feel you right now. And it's not always about feeling. It's about faith and knowing that he's there regardless if we feel the goosebumps or not. So, again, I asked the Lord what I was going to be speaking about. And it was during one of the services, as we were singing, no less, it dropped in my spirit, is draw nigh to God. So if you'll open your Bibles to James 4 and 8, we're going to go to James 4 and 8 and see what it says. And I'm going to be very transparent tonight, and I hope you guys don't stone me or anything and, you know, kick me out and decide you don't love me anymore because I'm going to be pr pretty transparent. And know that I love you that much and you feel like, I guess you're my safe place because I can. <laughs> James 4 and 8 says, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts ye double-minded. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to speak this evening. I pray that your Holy Spirit is here. I know he is because you said in your word that he is. But Father God, I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay that you anoint them to speak the words that you want spoken, that you anoint the hearts to receive the word that you have for them today, the ears to hear for what you have 
for them to hear to not, Lord God, for their spirits to receive exactly what you have for them to not, Lord. And if there's someone here that is, that is, that is dry, <laughs> that is, feels barren, that feels so far away from you, but so longs to be close to you, Lord God, I pray that right now that you would draw near to them. And I'll forever give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I was sitting here thinking, huh, that's kind of tough. But I looked, and it says there's three commands. How many of us know that um, I teach? Yes. So I teach my kids that there are different types of sentences, right? There's a declarative sentence, and it's just giving you a statement. It's just kind of telling you some facts, correct? There's an exclamatory sentence, and that's giving a lot of emphasis, a lot of, you know, emotion in there. The only way that you really know that you have an emotion in an exclamatory sentence is if you have an exclamation point. So like when you're texting with somebody and you say, yay, they're really not going to get it unless you put several exclamation points and they know you're really excited. Yay! How many of you all sit there and read a text? This is what I do when I'm sitting here reading a text. Now we can use those GIFs, right? Or the GIFs, how you pronounce those? You guys know how they're pronounced. Anyway, so when I'm excited about something, we can say, yay, you know, we sit there and read it. And like, you know what the ones I think about is Kermit the Frog when he sits there and goes, yay. You know, that's the one I send a lot. So you know I'm really, really excited. Yay. That's an exclamatory sentence, right? So then we have, um, let's think of what the other one is, interrogative. I love that one. Um, one of these, uh, I always thought when I was um, a teenager that I was going to be a, either a police officer, I was going to be a lawyer, or I was going to be a doctor. Those are way off the spectrum, right? Yeah. Uh, I became a teacher instead, and a preacher. So I was going to be the one to interrogate you. I was going to ask all the questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was going to be me. I was going to be tough. Who knows I'm tough? Probably not, right? Okay, and then there is a command. And not always can you find the subject of a sentence in, a, in an imperative sentence, right? Sometimes it's just the understood what? You. Right, so in this, um, in this scripture, it says, draw not to, get, not to God and he'll draw near to you. Who's the subject of our sentence? It is you. You draw not to God. Then it tells us, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Who are, who's, who's the subject of that sentence? That's going to still be you. You're supposed to cleanse your hands. And you purify your hearts, you double-minded. Who's, who's the subject of that sentence again? And that again is going to be you purify your hearts. Now, when it says double-minded, I was sitting there going, so what does that specifically mean, being double-minded? And that's basically is that we, them in, the, in, in this context is they wanted, they wanted God, but they wanted the world too. Okay, so huh, that's kind of not the way things go, is it? We, I, I've always been taught, like when, um, when I was um, early to mid-20s, that it was talking you were straddling the fence. You had one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You, want, you had all the fun that the world could give you, and yet on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and on Wednesdays, you came to church, and you were all this holier than thou. How are you doing? Blessed be the Lord. And you went out in the world, and you acted just like that. The world, right? We can't do that. Double-minded. Purify our hearts. 
But the one thing that I wanted, that I am wanting to um, focus on today, like I told you before, is that I have been feeling kind of dry and almost alone, even though I'm surrounded by so many wonderful people. I guess maybe not wanting to open up or express just how alone I feel or going through some of the things like the devil comes and brings all, all the past things from behind and I have literally feel like I can't talk to anybody about it, right? He says, draw nigh to me. Well, how do we do that? How do we draw nigh to God? I don't, I, I sat there and tried to, tried to understand it. How do I get close to you? I know that I'm supposed to read your Bible. I know that I'm supposed to go to church. I know that I'm supposed to pray. I know, and all those things are all well and good. And those are the things that come out of us having a relationship with God. But how do I get close to him? How, how, do, I, how do I feel him almost every, no, every single day, every minute of the day? How do you feel close to somebody? How do you feel close to your spouse? How do you feel close to your children? How do we do that? So I sat there and asked myself, so I started reading. How do I draw near to God? Well, we have to have a willing mind and an obedient heart to be close to God. Okay, so here comes the transparency on my end. Don't shame me, I've shamed myself enough. Okay. So, willing mind, obedient heart. Do you know when Pastor JR sat there and told me, oh, by the way, you're preaching Sunday night, I was mad. Was. I won't lie. Because I had in my mind that I had to have so long to prepare, so long to, to put all my thoughts and my feelings together, so long to, to, to give myself to the Lord, to do all this, and he was giving me none of that. I was mad. But here's another thing. I have a timer on my phone and I have an app that tells me things to do. And so on my phone at nine o'clock at night, it tells me to go pray. And on my little app at nine o'clock, it tells me to go pray. And on my little app, it tells market it that it's complete. Complete, nine o'clock, watching TV. 9.30, oh, it's done, still watching TV. And then I sit there and wonder, why am I not close to God? And it's not because I'm not doing these things. That's not what gets me. Doing them in, in the right frame of mind, the right spirit, it gets us close to God. Not doing it in, in, a, in the form of being religious. Okay, I'm, I'm going to do this today, and I'm going to do this today at this time, and do this, this, this. Okay, I'm checking it off the box. That's not what gets us close to God. When you want to read your Bible, when you want to go, we get to do those things. We get to spend time with him. We get to go say, it's nine o'clock. I'm sorry, I have to go pray now. Well, who are you? Well, I'm drawing nigh to God. And it's not out of obligation. It's out of 
a complete want to, a willingness in mind and obedience to his word. The only way that we can get close to him is if we get close to him. Only way we can draw nigh to him is if we draw nigh to him. We find our spot in our, mine is my closet. I, I, my, go to, I go to my closet. Nobody comes in there. The cats try to. I shut my door. They're on the, you know, cats sit there and knock. Cats knock at the door. Not right now. I'm praying. Right? So I have to leave it a little bit under there so, you know, here comes Callie. She gets on my back. Okay, I'll pray with you on my back. But it's, it's not out of obligation. It's out of a complete want to. Out of a complete want to. You know, I sit there, I'm going to use my daughter for an example here. It's not a bad example at all. She's a good girl. She's sweet. She's precious. But do you know I wouldn't have a close relationship with her right now if I didn't give her the time that she needed me to listen, that she needed me to talk to her, that she needed me just to spend time with her? You know that her and I wouldn't be close if she wasn't an object of my you know, my focus, my affection. If I just sat there and said, okay, good night. I'm leaving now. Oh, get up in the morning, go to school. Okay, good night. Here's some food. Go eat. You know, that's not a relationship with her. But her and I are close because we share each other's day. Even though she doesn't even live in my home anymore. Which really kills me, by the way. She's just a phone call away. I won't know what's going on with her if I don't pick up the phone and talk to her. I won't know what's on the Lord's heart, per se, for me if I don't pick up his word and read it. And it's not out of obligation. I know I'm telling the saints here tonight about reading the word of God and, and, and praying, but it's about the willingness in your mind and obedient heart. When he says to do something, guess what? Do it. So when, when JR gave me the opportunity, if I would have been doing these things already, if I was drawing nigh to God while in my, in my deepest loneliness that I have been, in my driest parts these past several weeks, if I would have been doing that, I could say, oh yeah, let's do this. I got it. Because I've already spent the time with him. Him and I have already talked about what's going to happen. And I wouldn't be so stressed and anxious about being up here and giving it to you. Because him and I have already had our chat. We have already had our run. And he's already spoken into, into my life. See, that's the one thing that, that I've been, I can almost say that I've been angry about. Those were the times that I felt like I was the closest to him because it was completely and utterly all about him in that hour that I spent running. I didn't have to, I didn't have to talk to anybody. I didn't have to be around anybody, which I was sometimes because we went to a gym, but nobody else mattered but me and him. And that's when he talks to us, when it becomes about you and him. When you're going through the trials and tribulations in your life, because we do go through those. When we go through the trials and tribulations of our life, he can speak into us and we can obey. 
He's not going to tell you to do anything without him. You're not out there by yourself. You're not a lone fish. You're not, you know, that, that's out of water flipping around trying to find your way home. He is with you always, willingly, willingly wanting to hear from you. He's waiting on you. So a willing mind and an obedient heart. So being transparent, I will tell you, I think a lot of times even in, um, when I first got saved back in my uh, early 20s and probably into my 30s, thinking that everything, is, as long as I did certain things, if I, if I did this over here, you know, okay, I'm going to work the nursery. Oh, you want me to do this? I'm going to do this over here. So I'm going to, I'm going to do all these things here. Oh, you, I can, I can do this over here and I can look at me. I'm doing all these things for God. So surely I'm close to him. Surely I'm close to him because I'm, but that's not it either. Do, do we do those things? Yes. We work the nursery because when God calls you to work the nursery, he's given you a love for those babies in there and to teach them and to nurture them. And, but if he's not called you to the nursery, please don't <laughs> because somebody is. Not everybody's called to work in a nursery, but there are people that, that are. Not everybody's called to, well, to breakfast ministry because I can guarantee you I'm not because I'm not a morning person. <laughs> and I thank you, Sister Susan, and all those that do breakfast, Sister Janet and Sister Be uh, Vicky over there. I'm not a morning person, so he has really not called me to do that. But those things are what draw draws us close to God. Those are things that we wanna do to serve God, not be close to him. I thought those things for a long time, that the only way that God would be close to me is if I, did, if I did X, Y, and Z, and not knowing that it was only, the only way that I was gonna be close with him is one with a willing mind and an obedient heart, and another one is understanding that all things come from God to us through Christ. through him on the cross, that's it. You wanna get near to him, he'll get near to you. If you're willing, if you're obedient, and if you understand what he did and where he's at. What did he do? What, what did Christ really do? Does any, do we really fathom what Christ did on the cross? He opened up a way where there was no way to God. <laughs> he opened up a way where there was no way. If it wasn't for Christ, <laughs> we wouldn't have a way to God. We wouldn't have a way to go boldly to the throne of grace if it wouldn't have been for Christ on the cross. What did he do? He sacrificed his only, Christ was a sacrifice, God's only begotten son for the sins of us, for what we've done. 
We couldn't go to the throne if it wouldn't have been for him. If we don't understand what Christ really did, shed his blood, he was sinless, but yet he was the sacrifice for sin. If we don't understand that he was beaten and bruised for the healing that we have, if we don't understand that we can go to the, to the cross of Christ for salvation, for healing, for comfort, for peace. What do you need tonight? Do you need God to draw nigh to you? He'll come to you if you'll come to the cross. You gotta come to the cross. You gotta come to Jesus. If you really want that peace that surpasses all understanding, you gotta come to the cross. You gotta come to Jesus. I knew that the only way that I could ever do a move without my children was to come to the cross to come to Jesus. My children were everything to me. I knew that I didn't want to have children so far away from me that I was so far away from my family. I knew I wanted us to be close, not just in relationship, but in proximity. And I knew the only way that I could ever make a move to be away from my children in proximity is if I had the peace that surpassed all understanding. And the only way that I could get to that was to go to the cross. That was it. And let me tell you, I have, it's the most amazing feeling you will ever have, ever, is to know that you know that you know that you're going exactly where God wants you to go is with that peace that surpasses all understanding. Because, you know, even, even in the midst of storms and trials, you can still have it. The storm and trial may be there, but the peace of God does not waver. It's still there. The peace of God will, will let you have rest at night. <laughs> Will, will, will cause you to continue to get up and go to work even though that things look troubling or trying. It will let you sleep at night. It, it will let you still have relationships and not be broken down or torn down. That you can still go and be and, and have life and life more abundantly because of the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. But it's only at the cross that you will find it. And it's only at the cross that he will draw nigh to you when you draw nigh to him. It is only through the cross that we, we will ever be everything that God has called us to be. Period. I will never be able to stand up here in my own strength and in my own abilities unless I have the cross. Jesus Christ. There, I don't have anything to offer him but myself. That's it. That's all any of us have to offer him is ourselves. The gifts and the talents that you possess to do the work of God, he gave them to you. To teach, I could, 
I couldn't teach Abigail unless it was a gift from God. Oh my word, Algebra 1, hello. But it is only through the cross and the abilities that he's given me that I'm able to step foot in a classroom and be the teacher he has called me to be. It is only through the cross that I could be, ever be the mother that God had called me to be. That's it. It is only through the cross that I could ever be the wife that God called me to be. Because without him, I'm nothing. And I'm no one. I couldn't encourage JR to be who God had called him to be if it wasn't for God himself within me. I couldn't be the friend that you need to listen to and to cry on and to encourage you if it wasn't for the cross of Christ. I am nothing without him. We are nothing without him. It is through the cross. We talked about, I'm just going to go through this very, very quickly, the cleansing and the purifying, the cleansing of your hands and the purifying of your heart. Do you know that, you know where you find that too? The cross. The cross. The cleansing of your hand, the purifying of your heart. Talked about being double-minded, wanting to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Your behaviors, you, you are changed when you come to the cross. The things that you, that you thought that you enjoyed before the cross are no longer enjoyable. Okay. I'm going to get transparent. All right. <clears throat> huh. Okay, you know, the world celebrates you turning 21, right? They think it's the greatest thing. You are now legal to drink alcohol. How cool is that? Well, it's really not, to be quite frank. It's just really not. It completely alters who you are. It completely takes away your whole personality and gives you a new one. And to some people, they like that. Right? Because the one that's a, that's a complete introvert that stays within themselves, if you give them a little bit of alcohol, they become the life of the party. And you're sitting there going, whoa, look at you go. But that's not who they are. The alcohol has completely transformed the person that God had already created to be somebody totally different. So... So you all know that, you know, not, some of us have more checkered pasts than others. I may be one of those. So um, I probably, not, mm, I think I drank more before I was 21 than I, when I turned 21. Because when I turned 22, I got saved. <laughs> okay, so... Hmm. I remember a time, this was actually after, I, I, walked, um, I walked away from the Lord in my 30s, angry at myself, angry at God, 
angry at my situation, angry just with everything. And I allowed the enemy, I allowed an open door to the enemy. I'll tell you this right now, without the Holy Spirit, without God, you are no match for the enemy. None. So I was actually um, in a place of being very dried out, um, alone, um, needy, feeling very unloved, unwanted, um, not worth anything, which I had felt all those things before I got saved when I was 22. I'd already been through all of those feelings, and God had done a miraculous healing in my life. But through open doors of others, because of open doors of others, I shut myself off from God. And instead of going near to him, instead of drawing nigh to him so he can draw nigh to me, which I was thinking I was closing off a doorway to be hurt, I was actually opening a doorway for the enemy to destroy. So somebody came to me one day while I was teaching at school. She was a very sweet lady. The enemy used her greatly and said that somebody had told her, and it was a man, told her that um, they were going to get me, more or less, and have their way with me. And... This person said, oh no, she loves the Lord. And he goes, that doesn't matter. And like I said, this, had, this, this was two years of me being a dried up, I was literally going through the motions because I was so broken and felt destroyed for two and a half years. And my response was her to, to her was, <laughs> let them bring it. Basically telling the devil, you know, I, I did, I propositioned the devil. Devil don't have nothing on me. Is, I think were my exact words. The devil has nothing on me. Oh, but the devil did. Because the devil knew I was dried up and withering away. The devil knew that there was a doorway there. And so, several weeks, months, years go by, and that's exactly what happened. And you have to be careful about what you tell. You, you go to places, I'm a Christian. I don't, I don't partake in those things. I don't do those things. I don't drink, I don't party, I don't whatever. But I convinced myself, I'll go with them. I was at a, it was actually at conferences for school. I'll go with them so um, if anything happens to them, 
you know, I can make sure they get home. And I was offered alcohol. And I said, no, I don't drink. Haven't drank in, oh, at that point, about 15 years, 16 years, 17, 17, 17 years. And I had a drop of alcohol in 17 years. And then somebody else come up. Oh, it'll be all right. Nope. Hadn't drank alcohol in 17 years. Another one comes by. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? It literally got pushed at me. So don't think that just because you think, just because you go to church, there's no reason for a God-believing, sold-out Christian to ever step foot in a bar. So at that point, I allowed, it was probably about five different people, and I finally said, okay, whatever. That was not the thing to do. Because at that point, it became one after the other, after the other, after the other, to the point of they almost had to rush me to the hospital because I, was, I had alcohol poisoning and was not even coherent. It changes you. It alters who you are. You do things you never thought you would do. Don't ever let yourself get to a place where you're dried up and withered. Jesus says, if you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. He's at the cross. He hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't gone anywhere. He hasn't moved. He's in the same, well, actually, you say that, but you know what I'm, do you understand what I'm getting at? That was a pretty dark time in my life. Pretty dark time in my life because then it became, if my kids weren't there, then I was going to. Woke up one morning and it was all over my bathroom. Had no earthly idea how it, no idea. Then it just becomes, because I'm so lonely, because I'm a mom and that's how I identified myself and my kids aren't with me, I'll just do this to numb the pain. And you go further and further and further away from God. And it wasn't until my life became an utter and total mess that I sat there and said, Lord, I can't do a thing without you. you I'm laying it at your feet. And instill <laughs> the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It is by the grace of God, literally by the grace of God. I went to church one morning. I took Cheyenne with me. I think she was probably about nine years old. Brandon was finally in a place where he was back in church and with me. And I was in a place where I was finally, but the shame and the guilt of things that I had done for over a year was so heavy. 
and I didn't feel like I had anybody I could turn to. I left church that day, I dropped off Cheyenne, and I went to the railroad tracks in Atkins, Arkansas. And I sat there, and I sat there and begged and pleaded and begged and pleaded and begged and pleaded for a train to come by. And my phone blowing up and my phone blowing up and my son begging me, I'll come and get you, just please don't do this. Took about an hour before I finally went back home. And my son having to lay over me and pray for me and pray through with me. If you'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. We can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Our behaviors have to change. Purify our hearts, cleanse our hands. We can't be double-minded. It's, it's the, this, this life isn't about how much fun we can have and how much things we can possess. It's about, it's about the word. It's about Jesus. It's about him and him crucified and pointing as many people to, to Christ as we possibly can and populating heaven. That's what this life is about. We were created to worship him and to adore him and to lift him up and to exalt him. That's what our life is supposed to be about. Cleanse our hands. Put away those old behaviors. Go to the cross. Meet him there because he will come to you as you come to him. That's draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. In your deepest and darkest hours, when you feel all alone, draw nigh to him. He will meet you there. And don't just set a timer on your phone or on an app to tell you to go pray and then check it off. If you don't make the time to spend with him, you are the one losing out. Think about it. If you didn't spend the time with your spouse to know your spouse and to have a relationship with your spouse, you're the one that loses out. With your children, with friends, with Jesus. Draw nigh to him and he'll draw nigh to you. If there's anything that you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus, do it. Or just tell him, I want everything you have for me. And if there's anything in my life that is not pleasing to you, get rid of it. You will be shocked. Don't be shocked when he does. <laughs> but sometimes you may be shocked at the things that he has you lay down. I'll give you an example. You know, TV's not bad. Some TV shows are bad, but TV's not bad. 
you know, I told you I was going to be either a doctor, a lawyer, or a police officer, right? I love cop shows. They're my favorite. I, I, cause I try to figure out who did what and why, why'd you do that? And, and you know, they, they give you all these little clues and you're sitting, your mind's sitting there going, oh, I bet they did it. Mm-hmm. See how, see how they're acting? Yeah, I bet they did. See what they did over there? I bet, and you start, yep, yep. That's what I did. Well, there's, I watched all of the law and orders. I set them on a timer. If I was going to miss one, I was going to DVR it. But there's one, um, Law and Order SVU, Special Victims Unit. I watched it for years. Me and JR were watching it one night, and he, he noticed, he noticed a change in my attitude, in my demeanor. When I watched that one. Because, you know, it's all about, well, a lot of them was, was about um, children being uh, abused, raped, um, kidnapped, killed, you know, going through what I, what I had experienced growing up, I guess, sparked something in my spirit and it, I would get angry and I would not want to talk or, you know, my, my whole demeanor changed. And he, he, start, he started noticing it after several months and he goes, he goes, I'm not saying this is, you know, t- watching TV is bad or watching Law and Order is bad. He goes, but Heather, he goes, your whole personality comes, becomes different. He goes, I would really consider and pray about not watching that show. So I did. I turned it off for a while, didn't watch it for a while, and I could, I could tell that there was, I, I started noticing that there was a difference. Well, you know how the devil likes to work. Oh, that was no big deal. There's a marathon, watch it. SVU marathon, let's do it. Halfway through it, the Lord's sitting there going, he goes, um, do you not remember kind of what I delivered you from that? Why do you want to go back into it? Why do you want to step foot back into something I have already taken you out of? And I'm like, okay, so, so not necessarily, You'll be surprised at what God has you lay down. And it may, he, sometimes, a lot of times, it's sure specifically just wanting to see if you're going to obey him. Obey. Draw nigh to him. It, drawing nigh to him, remember, starts with one, a, a willing mind and an obedient heart. And then knowing and understanding that the things come through the cross of Christ. Don't let reading the word of God be an obligation. Let it be an opportunity to get getting to know your savior. To know him personally. To knowing his heart. 
letting him speak to you and mold you and make you into the image of his son. Praying with him, praying, spending time with him, talking to him, letting him talk to you. Well, does he do that? Well, sure he does. Absolutely does. Are you going to hear him audibly like I'm talking to you today? Yeah, some, he may shock you sometimes. But a lot of times it's going to come through his word. It's going to come through some, Pastor Jr. preaching to you. It's going to come through somebody coming by and saying, Hey, I was praying for you today and the Lord wanted me to tell you. Be willing to listen. Everything else is an outflow, is a service to him. Teaching, that's me serving him. Do everything you do as unto the Lord. Me up here, that's serving him. Those that, that watch the gym on Wednesday nights, that's serving him. Cleaning the church, that's serving him. Working in the nursery, that's, that's your serve. You want to do these things because you have a relationship with him, not because it's an obligation to him. Complete difference. Your relationship doesn't depend on you vacuuming the floors. But it's sure nice when he tells you to do it because you're drawing closer to him, being obedient. Draw nigh to him and he will draw nigh to you. 